Welcome to the England Rugby Pod. Thanks for downloading episode 113 as we discuss all the latest in the build-up to a possible championship decider as England take on Wales in Cardiff on Saturday. You're listening to the England Rugby Pod, the rugby podcast that believes England will win the World Cup in 2019. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed your mid-Six Nations break. Um, I'm sure, like us, you're desperate to, to see more rugby. And of course, this Saturday, that's exactly what you will see. Huge game coming up. Uh, Wales against England at the Millennium Stadium. And to discuss everything, I'm, of course, joined by Dan. Hi, mate. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So th- this is it. This is as big as they get from a rivalry perspective. Um, so I mean, From England's point of view, this is, you know, we said it about Dublin, and I still believe that was the case. But this is now the decider, isn't it? I mean, if Eng- England win this game, they've won the Six Nations, probably with a Grand Slam, given that they have then two home games against Scotland and Italy. If, so if England wins this game, yeah, I think we've won the Six Nations, yeah. Grand Slam as well. Uh, I, I would, I would imagine so. Um, but the only, the only issue I have with this game is, is, is Eddie actually not taking this game seriously at all? I, I'm starting to think that Eddie just had sort of, he's just like, yeah, whatever, guaranteed win, and he's not actually taking the game at all seriously. Talk to me about your reasoning. I don't, I don't know where that's coming from. Uh, so I, 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 up until like 15 minutes ago, I thought, no, look, it seems like England are preparing well, the same right noises. And then I heard John Terry had been brought to camp. And okay. I can't think of any reason to bring John Terry to camp unless it's as if you're just having a bit of a laugh. I mean, did you read more? I mean, what, what's that? What's, the, what's that about? Uh, apparently it's about, apparently John Terry will be able to give their players sort of really good advice about how you can shag your, you know, your teammates' misses. Okay, about yeah, how I mean, not, not, not playing a game, but dress up in the full kit so at the end of the game you can walk on the pitch and pretend you did play. Nice, nice. Um, I mean, all just, all yeah. very useful uh, little tidbits. All very useful tidbits. <laughs> I, I did read about it, and apparently it's about talking about leadership in successful teams. I mean, to be fair... Uh, to be, to yes, be, he's, he's to be been a leader. He, he, yeah, team. he's got a lot of experience as a leader, and and if England are looking to to grow their leadership base, especially with both um, Marrow and Mako out for this game, um, it wouldn't be the worst thing to have to have a little bit of extra input from from people who have experience of being leaders. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if I hate that. I, I, I can think of people I'd probably rather have in there. Yeah. Um, Mark Johnson. What's one name that springs to mind? Um, but I don't know. In some ways, I mean, Eddie seems to love you know connections to other sports, and I think there's a there's something to be said for that. You know, it's kind of involving the the sort of the I don't know whether it's tactics is the word or you know, but being able to pick things from from all sorts of different sports to be able to use. I mean, I was watching um I was watching like a a video interview with Kyle Sinclair um the other day and and he was talking about you know I think I think someone had rung in and said you know my son is six he wants to play rugby for England when he's older have you got any advice for him and Kyle Sinclair's advice was you know at that age it's about enjoying it but it's not just about rugby either you know you can have rugby as your long-term goal but play everything play every sport that's that's on offer to you and enjoy all of it because you're going to pick up so much from all the different things you're doing that are ultimately going to um, help you, you know, if you are in a position to and still want to um, make a career in rugby, um, which was something that he did. And, you know, given where he is now, fair play. Uh, so, uh, so so I get that. The, the difference is, is the, the guys out on the pitch on Saturday, I'm hoping won't be six-year-olds uh, aspiring to play for England. I mean, I don't think you need to hope because they will be playing for England. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Um, now, I, I am messing about. I, maybe I'm not the biggest John Terry fan. Um, yeah, look, there's value to it. I, I'm messing about. There, I think there is value to it from a leadership perspective. I was surprised. I actually like the fact that um, Eddie does go to the other sports, like you say. I know Eddie says, you know, I think it's with uh, Pep Guardiola. I think he's had a lot of sort of sit down chats with and got a lot of advice from, which I think is great. 
Cool. Um, all right. Well, let's move move on from that. And um, we obviously we want to talk about the game on Saturday. Uh, that's going to be the, the the main part of this episode. But just before we do, we have had a couple of uh, messages from some of our listeners. Um, so I thought let's go through those. Let's answer any questions that come up, um, and then we'll move on to the big game. Um, so the first one is from Joe Reed. We have heard from Joe before. Um, and he's referencing episode 112, which was our last episode. And he says, I feel like I need to find other ways to say that this is a great podcast. Uh, that's, we have no problem with that, Joe. Um, so this time I'm admitting that the England Rugby Pod Twitter account is the only account for which I have notifications turned on permanently. I'm also very oh, tempted wow. to introduce my Scottish physics teacher to this amazing pod. I'm sure he'd very much enjoy it. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, so yeah, that's great. And obviously anyone else who like Joe would like to hear what we have to say on Twitter, just head over there and find it at England Rugby Pod. Same on Facebook. Anyway, he goes on to say, <clears throat> I have to write this in brackets because the last time I discussed Farrell getting injured without brackets uh, with somebody, he had to undergo surgery. Um, so I'm not risking it. Uh, I agree that Mako is a bigger loss than Marrow due to the strength in their respective positions. I think that's a great analysis from you both. Thank you very much. Um, and I'd just like to suggest that we offer Billy our congratulations on not being the injured Vunapola brother. Uh, <laughs> I'd quite like to know what first choice injury you think would cause the biggest problem for the squad. In other words, which player is least expendable? Wow, good question. Um, so he has, he says more, but I'll come on to it and give his answer once we've talked about that. Cause I think that's a good little segue to discuss that. Cause I, I think that's a good question. Um, and I, I guess my 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 initial reaction would would be to say Owen Farrell. You've got to go there initially, right? But and but then I so then I think about it, I'm like okay, is Owen Farrell replaceable? Well, we obviously we don't want to replace him, just like we don't want to replace Maro Toje with Maro Toje there that we have cover, and we're happy with who he slot in there. Now Farrell goes. I imagine they slot George Ford straight into fly half and continue doing what they're doing. That would be my my yeah. assumption. Um, so yeah, so let's think. I mean, are there positions? I mean, Billy gets replaced by Nathan Hughes. Is that a bigger loss than Farrell getting replaced by George Ford? So there's a, there's another one that I'm thinking. Yeah. Last year, and I'm not putting this when we lost Ben Youngs. That seemed to have quite a big impact. Yeah, um, and the way he's been playing, now and and... care isn't in the squad. So it would be bringing in someone, and, and Ben Young's been playing brilliantly, and it'd be bringing in someone very, very new. And 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 as weird as it sounds to say it now, um, just because he's a bit weird himself, Johnny May. We have such depth on the wing. The fact we're even discussing he's he's, repla he's replaceable. For sure. Well, it highlights how good he is, but he's replaceable, of course, yeah. in terms of we have great uh, people options to bring in. But he's been. He's been one of the most valuable players, I think, uh, for England, certainly in the last two games of this Six Nations, and we'll see whether or not that continues on Saturday. Um, He's real. So, so, so to I, answer your question, Jack, everyone. <laughs> no, well, uh, but we, we, I mean, I, I think it is Owen Farrell because I just think he, you know, with the kicking and, and his reading of the game and his kind of mentality and just how kind of awesome he is. I mean, he is the Johnny Wilkinson of this of this group. You know, the, the, what Johnny was back in 2003, that's what Owen Farrell is to this group. And I feel like Johnny was just as irreplaceable back then. So I think I'd, I think I am going Owen Farrell. But I... I think this highlights that there are some other areas where... It, I, I think everyone is replaceable. I, I You know, I don't think it's... A, if you lose any one player... It's it's a shame, but it's ne I don't think in any position it's a disaster. Maybe maybe Curry at the moment because Underhill isn't available would be a pretty big loss. Yeah, for an I mean, we're, seven we're, to do what he does. I I, th I think overall, with everything in mind, bearing in mind Dylan Hartley's injured, so without um, say if you lost Farrell, you've you've also lost your second captain or your other captain, yeah. so. If you take all that into consideration, it's got to be I right. think Farrell is, is probably, yeah, probably. But, but there's a lot of players. There, there's a lot of losses, yeah. but It's a weird one, isn't it? Because it's like there's lots of players where we feel they it would be, not disastrous, but it would be a massive loss. 
and yet all of them there is someone very good who can replace them which is a nice position to yeah. be yeah um very nice interesting I mean, okay we well yeah uh so joe goes on uh yeah, you, uh, you might have gathered by now I'm a huge Owen Farrell fan, so to me he is the player we can least afford to lose, so thinking along the same lines as us. Um, and then obviously he wants to know our thoughts. Well, you've got them now. Uh, he says, on Wales, the high, uh, Wales' high ball threat. Maybe Daly isn't as good as Brown under the high ball, but maybe you've forgotten that we have Johnny May. Possessed by a chicken or otherwise, he seems to have an ever-growing range of insane skills and I think he's shown to be more than suitable to assist Daly, if not necessarily when needed. If not necessarily... Oh, sorry. If not necessarily when needed. Um, and I 100% agree with him. I mean, Johnny May's been brilliant under the high ball. And if Daly is having problems under it, or you know, if, they, if Wales start to target him, if they think that's a game plan, I think they're overlooking the fact that Johnny May is more than capable of covering the, 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 the high ball with him and does. So I'm not too concerned about about that. If that's what Wales thinks is the solution to the to the England problem, um, I think they've yeah. underestimated what uh, what England are capable of, and certainly underestimating Elliot Daly. I would think. Well, I'm going to uh, I'm going to start when Elliot Daly was first put fullback. I said I think that's genius. I think he'd be a brilliant fullback. I don't think it's until these last two games where he's just <laughs> that showed how. <laughs> Well, I, I, no, I've always thought he could be, but these last two games, I think he's been absolutely brilliant. Mm. He's been great under the high ball. And it's all very well, people saying, um, you know, is it danger under the high ball? Well, I'll tell you what is also a danger. If you don't kick that high ball spot on and you give the likes of Elliot Daly, Johnny May a bit of room, you're putting yourselves in danger. So, you know, it is a bit tit for tat. It's all very well saying perhaps have a Mike Brown there, but you know, Mike Brown won't be able to necessarily counter as well as an Elliot Daly can. Oh, 100%. Um, Mike Brown's not scoring get... the kind of tries that Elliot Daly's scoring. Mike Brown's, yeah, that, that try that Elliot Daly scored two years ago at the Millennium Stadium in the final four and a half minutes. Brown wasn't yeah. scoring that. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the long boot uh, and just generally what he's capable of, 100% he needs to be in that That's team. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, so, so... But uh, yeah, so my point, my point is, even if his his one of his weaknesses or his his only slight weakness is um, his aerial ability under the high ball, I think England have people like Johnny May who perhaps are underestimated, who are more than capable of covering that with him um, and making it considerably easier. And we've seen England are very good at, uh, I would say, manipulating the laws, so perfectly legally. Blocking, uh, for want of a better word, um, you know, in a clever way. You know, don't look over your shoulder, don't adjust your position, but they create this kind of funnel and they slowly close in as a pod of three or four. They slowly close in on the guys receiving the kick, but they hold their line and it and it autom- it kind of creates a, a shield around the the guy who's who's waiting to claim the ball that's perfectly legal. As opposed to so, Connor Murray looking over his shoulder, <laughs> seeing where Johnny May is and then backing into him. And then swinging a baseball bat, yeah. yeah. I so the, the thing I'd say about that is that's up to the opposition. That's up to sort of an island of France who we've played to actually kick better. Like yeah. they, they've given it, they've given too much room. Like if you're going to do that high ball and you want to do it to compete, isolate a player. Don't you, you know? Don't kick it where you've got. Don't give a pot you know, for the opportunity there. to create that shield. Exactly. More exactly. importantly, so, Wales, if you're listening, do. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, um, Wales must be... So, this... this, Yeah, actually, actually so maybe we'll carry on this in a bit because I think there's some other reviews to go through. Well, he's not. yeah, he's not quite finished yet. So, the, the, the next bit is he... This is something that actually I do want to respond to, but he says, um, just on the idea of being ahead of Wales, even if we lost, given the two bonus points, he says, it is possible to win the Six Nations without winning a single game. Food for thought, perhaps, if not exactly relevant to the current situation. Um, I'm guessing he's talking about there being a lot of draws. I'm guessing draws, bonus points. Yeah, draws um, and bonus points. Because because what we what, what and someone on, on Twitter got in touch saying that you know England could theoretically beat Wales even if Wales won, um, even if Wales in fact did the Grand Slam and 
what people may or may not be aware of is that there are three bonus points for doing a Grand Slam to ensure that that can't exactly. happen. So I'm just yeah. letting, this is yeah. It's not a it's not a uh, I'm not I don't have beef with anyone. I'm just I'm letting people know because there may be some people that weren't aware and are looking at the the point system and going, well, hang on a second. Wales could theoretically do the Grand Slam, get no bonus points, and and not win the Six Nations, but that can't happen because there is three bonus points available for doing a Grand Slam. Um, so yeah, that that I think deals with that particular point. Um, he does, to be fair, say not not necessarily relevant, but um, food for thought. Uh, final thing he says is, I'm curious as to your current thoughts on the captaincy. Uh, I'm not yet going to tread down the I told you so route, perhaps because like Wade. I'm not quite so as excitable as Dan, but Farrell certainly oh. greatly improved this tournament. His ability to communicate calmly with the officials, particularly Nigel Owens, if reports are to be believed, has come on leaps and bounds since June. I'm no longer sure whether or not I feel that bringing Hartley back is necessary. Not to say that I don't want him back. Uh, I'm still torn myself. Um, and I'm wondering about your opinion on this. Do you still feel the need to insist that a kicker should not or cannot be captain, or has Farrell managed to persuade you otherwise? Again, I think it's a fair, a fair question. We've been pretty vocal about our opinions on that, and I'd be the first to put my hand up and say, question. and say, I think he has, like, uh, uh, like Henry Slade, he's he's proven me wrong, and I'm always going to be okay with that um, when it's a, when it's a positive. Um, yeah, I think he's done a good job. I'm still not convinced that he's necessarily. Look, he's the captain for. He's going to be the captain. Or vice captain, or sorry, or, or co-captain, um, until after the World Cup for sure. Um, and I think it's right, given how close we are now. Um, you can't start changing things, um, but he's doing a very good job. Uh, he does definitely seem calmer um, when talking to the officials. Although I, I'm guessing that's in reference to Carl Sinclair's warning and Farrell quietly telling him to calm down. Um, but you know that's that's great. And I think anyone out there who says who you know talks about players who are a bit volatile and, and you know, how it's a, a disaster waiting to happen. You know, Dylan Hartley was renowned for his volatility um, and actually becoming England captain seemed to completely sort him out. I, 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 lo- I love the way you. I love the way you're using that as if to <laughs> make a point about why he should be captain when we ignored that. Um, but, but one thing I'd say is, firstly, yeah, I completely agree. Owen Farrell has shown himself to be captain. The only slight thing I would say, the only slight hesitancy is say, it's a lot easier to be calm and collected when you're dominating yeah. matches. Yeah, true. I think um, this there'll be a big test this weekend. Um, you know, certainly for the first you know, seven or eight minutes, um, after which England will be dominating again, of course, and, and then it won't matter. Cool. Um, but no, I, I think I think you can, look, you can only judge what's in front of you, and and if we're judging on the Six Nations, I think Owen Farrell's done a fine job, and and um, you know, the, as you say, the big test is going to be when when England are put under a bit more pressure. Um, they haven't really had that yet because they've made life so difficult for oppositions. Wales are the next team that have an opportunity to try and do it. So we'll see whether or not they succeed on Saturday, um, and we'll see how how Owen Farrell um, copes with it. But I, I've got I've got a reasonable amount of confidence um, given what I've seen from him in the last couple of games. So so yeah, uh, in answer to that question, my my position has changed a little bit uh, but I withhold judgment until the end of the Six Nations as to whether I think that um, whether I think we need Dylan Hartley back in because I do think there's this is you know we in the past we talked about how Dylan Hartley may not be the number one hooker but his leadership was so important um, and I feel like during even just in the in the few weeks that the Six Nations has been going on we've seen new leaders kind of appearing in, in the in the England group um, and and just as a, as a whole, they seem a lot more uh, I don't know well well led. Um, they just seem much more in tune with one another, and it, it's nice to see. And and now they've got John Terry's expertise. Well, to help exactly. Guide them along. So, so, so you know, you know, leadership is no longer perfect. an issue. I I am pretty sure, and I may be remembering this wrong, but I don't think I am. I am pretty sure I was on uh, thinking co-captains was a great idea from day one. So uh, were you? Ah, well, we'll say I was, and then if if uh, I mean, is it is, know, is it a great idea? It's um, I I, I think it's I think it's worked out brilliantly, and I think I'm the co- right man to be captain. But, but we don't have co-captains. I know, I know. <laughs> um, well, well, we we still do. Um, 
the, the, the good thing about it, about having these co-captains, and the good thing about the way Owen Powell's played, is, yes, it'd be nice to in some ways have Dylan Hartley back, but we don't have to bring him back. You, you know, but he now is, has to come back based upon playing. Before. Oh, 100%. But this is, this is my point. This, this is kind of what I'm saying, is that in the past, we've kind of, we've almost given him a few extra points because his leadership was so valuable to the England setup, And we've kind yeah. of said, look, he, he's, a, he's a great player. Is he the best player? Maybe not, but that leadership kind of takes him, up, you know, takes him up over the over the top of the, the whatever the marker is. Now that his leadership is not necessarily as vital as as we previously thought it was, has that put him into second or even third place? Because that's the big thing, isn't it? Like, do you want do you bring Dylan Hartley? I mean, if you bring Dylan Hartley back, you're going back to the co-captaincy. It would be too weird to say. Great job over the last couple of years, but you're still playing. But Owen's taking your spot as captain, so you'd have to go back to co-captaincy if bringing him back. And if you brought him back and put him on the bench, it would kind of be a bit weird to have a co-captain on the bench. So I almost feel like he's either oh, back in and starting, or he's third third choice. And you've got Karen Dickey and you know probably on the bench. Um, yeah, I, I I don't think it matters. I, I think it'll be base. I don't mind either way. Um, he, he's not going to be back. Oh. I did, I would be did you manage to get the, them out? Did I manage to get who out? The splinters. What, 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 what splinters? What the, are we on about? The, the ones in your <laughs> ass from, from someone sitting on the fence. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. I see what you're doing. You see what I'm doing. I, 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 I was like, what the hell are you on about? Um, I don't think we'll see Dylan. I don't think we'll see Dylan Hartley this Six Nations. Nice, good, good commitment. Well done. <laughs> I, I don't think he's earned his place back yet. I think Jamie George has been great. Um, Cowan Dickey has done nothing wrong. He hasn't had a chance to do anything good or bad, I don't think, in fairness. No, I mean, that's the test. Uh, he, he, he needs an opportunity. We'll see how much time he gets in the game on Saturday and whether or not he gets an opportunity to shine. Because um, he was also, in, in the video interview that I watched uh, with Kyle Sinclair, Cowan Dickey was the other the other guy being interviewed. And he's obviously you know, talking about how he's keen to get his chance and you know he's just glad to be able to do anything but it was clear that you know he's conscious and everyone's conscious that he hasn't had a huge amount of game time um and the way that England have been playing it seems that Eddie's not in any rush to take players off so uh, that we'll see whether or not that changes on Saturday um anyway let's let's move on because we've got a couple of others to get through before we go on to talking about the game specifically um so your old mate Wesley Tonks he normally chats to you on Facebook I think doesn't he yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's often in touch. He has decided to reach out on it by email. Um, he says, Hi, guys. Just listen to the pod as we start the build-up to the biggest, one of the biggest rivalries in world rugby. Uh, notably, Eddie has come out of the blocks early with some teasing banter. Uh, Wales at Cardiff always provides a challenge with an unrivaled passion. Uh, with Eddie focused on the World Cup, this may give us an opportunity to see the real character of the sides as we uh, may well go behind early in the game. The last two Six Nations games we have built, uh, we've built off cracking starts. I expect England to win and win well. Keep up the good work. Um, so thanks for reaching out to us uh, on email, um, Wesley. Uh, always good to hear from you guys. And yeah, to, I think I mean the, most of that is just statement. But I think the one thing that we probably want to talk about is the idea that England are going to go behind early. What are your thoughts on that? So my, my thoughts on it are. I don't think England will go behind early, but what I think is is a sort of strong point here is England, be it however long it takes for England to take control of the game, which I believe we will, they're going to be under huge pressure. And I think that's a really valid point. You know, this can show some character because the Welsh are going to come out all guns firing. It's going to be a really hostile environment. So I think that's great character. Ultimately, I think that... It will, in, in some ways, I think it might even not be a bad thing if we went behind. Like, if, if Wales got an early try, I don't think it would be a bad thing. And it could happen, um, you know, and that would be a great test of character. And I, I think that's a really fair point. But for me, I actually think England will take control of this game fairly early on oh, and will actually nullify the threat of that crowd. And, you know, if England take another quick, you know, get Just a quick lead and build on that. Owen Farrell's put Johnny May through in 93 seconds. Elliot Daly put Johnny May through in 66 seconds. I think that Henry Slade is going to put Elliot, uh, is going to put um, Johnny May through in 40 seconds. 
Oh, you'd play Slade now, would you? I, I thought Slade was the worst thing to happen for we, English rugby since... We, we covered this, Dan. We covered this a few episodes <laughs> ago. You, you, you're, you're falling behind. Keep up. You know, our listeners are keeping up. You need to keep up. Henry Slade is now, you know, on the on the the good the good uh, the good step, seat the good step. He's not in the naughty corner anymore. Um, good. So yes, of course he's in. Well deserved. But that's not the point here. Point is, is Johnny May scoring a try in forty seconds? Uh yeah, yeah. Well, well, it'll have to be if not. Basically, Here's Johnny May. England kick off, right? England kick off. They retrieve the ball with a with a kind of leap and a tap back. A quick pass inside. Two laggies picking it up. Right, he's crashing through one man. He's offloading uh, to Henry to Farrell, who's popping to Henry Slade, who's putting the ball through, and Johnny May's getting on the end of it. Boom. Seen it. Seen it. You heard it here first, people. Um, but yeah, no, I, th- I, th- I, joking aside, I think England will continue str- having a strong start. It's not about necessarily scoring early. Obviously, it's great when that happens, but I think they'll be putting pressure on Wales from the word go. Um, I think they've they've got something going now in terms of the way that they're playing the game. That's and they've seen the ben, like they've seen how valuable it is. So I can't see them letting up. Um, and I think it's the great thing is it puts Wales in a mindset where they're saying they're coming out onto the pitch, going right. We need to make sure they don't get a quick start. And I don't think that's how you can approach a game. If you if you go into the game with your first thought being how do we stop them from doing what they want to do you're immediately playing into the opposition's hands and you're immediately uh, kind of focusing on damage limitation. Um, well, we said this about the French. We said the fr- when the French picked their team, we said we felt like it was a team picked to try and stop England rather than a team picked on how to win. And yeah, if, if Wales... I, mate, I just basically repeat what you say, but no, I completely agree with your point. Yeah, I, but I, I think I Wales think... will do it. I think, I think teams at the moment are going to be looking at England and how they've performed in these last two games and they're going to be saying, how do we stop them from doing that to us? And it's a great position to be in because it's the position that the All Blacks have been in for years, which is where teams go up against them and they don't really go, right, how do we beat the All Blacks? They, the, it's, they, they, they want to beat the All Blacks, but they first and foremost want to not let the All Blacks, All Blacks beat them. And I think England are starting to create that that situation for themselves where other teams are going right you know we need to not lose so what do we do to stop them doing what they're doing which just gives England the freedom to try different things and you know if they've got we've seen a couple of different um, kind of game plans if they have another one or another couple of game plans up their sleeve teams are constantly guessing um, and that's a great position to be in Um, you know I was listening to some other podcasts this week one was a, a Welsh podcast um, talking about this game specifically, and you know, there was a lot of chat about how Wales can, you know, how Wales need to put England under pressure, um, and they need to not let them get the quick ball, and they need to be in their face, um, and because it, you know England are a different a different team when they don't have quick ball. Now, I'm sure that's true, but I yeah. think if, but I think if you're if you're going into the game, how do we stop England from having quick ball rather than how do we get quick ball? Uh, but I think that's important. No, I, I do think that's important. I do think, like, being able to say, how do you stop England getting quick ball? Because I, I do think that's a, you know, and everyone goes in like England did that with Ireland and, and, and everyone will do that to an extent. Um, but equally, you know, you, you need to go in with the attitude that, yeah, how can we win this game? It's not all about... But to win the game, sometimes you have to stop teams doing things they're good at. Uh, yeah, 100%. But I think, you know, England have shown that with confidence, the confidence kind of creates the opportunities. Um, you know, mm. the, 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 having confidence, not just confidence when you turn up on the pitch and being really fired up, but the confidence in your game plan and the belief that your game plan is good enough uh, to to win the game uh, and hopefully win it well, um, and having those those plan a, plan Bs and plan Cs so that you can react on the pitch because like they, like all the professional players say when they're interviewed, you know, you go onto the pitch with a plan, but the minute the ball's kicked off, that plan goes out the window. So, you know, as long as England can kind of replicate um, as much of that game plan as as possible, with a view to being able to change tact as and when they need to you know if if they if they start with the game plan being 
you know, the kicking game that they had against France and Wales have a solution for it, then they need something else because the only way Wales have a solution for it is if they have cover. We talked about this last week, and you know, extra cover. And if they've got extra cover, then there are people missing from somewhere else on the field in order to be that cover. So it's about, you know, take advantage of that of that space. Um, and I think in Farrell, and this is another reason going back to that point about who's the most who would be the, the biggest loss. I think actually it's it's Farrell's the guy that needs to spot those opportunities. You know, he has people around him who can do it too, in the likes of Henry Slade, Elliot Daly, um, and obviously Ben Youngs. But I think it's 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 Farrell controlling the game plan and going now's a good time to attack, uh, you know, with the high ball. Now's a good time to, uh, you know, punch holes in the in the midfield. Now's a good time to put it back into the, you know, to the forwards and let them run, run you know, rumble it up. What, whatever it might be, um, I think he controls he controls that and he determines what England are doing. And I think if he's firing, then England are firing. And, and I, th- I think that's a good point because at times, in all honesty, the French back three positional play was embarrassing at times. I don't think we'll get that from Wales. So, like, like you say, I think it will be up to the likes of Farrell, Young, Slade, Daly, whoever, to, to spot those opportunities. Whereas against the French, you didn't really have to spot them. They kind of knew that if you kick it through, one of the back three will probably be out of position. But I don't think the Welsh will do that. Right. I'm going to move on to the final email that we got. This is from Tom Fossell, I think it is. We have heard from him before. We probably had the same debate about his name last time. I don't think it's Fossil. I think it's Fossell. Tom Fossell. He says, lads, I understand the excitement about England's recent success. Uh, even more so by the streak of Wales' poor performances of late, but I hope you were touching wood for the entirety of this week's episode, last week's episode. If you weren't, you will be the ones to blame when England are thumped in Cardiff in a week. Firstly, Tom, England not getting thumped by Cardiff. Secondly, fair point. I'm going to touch wood right now. Uh, Dan, do the same, please. I've um, been touching <laughs> all week, man. <laughs> Very good. Uh, no, you're right. We, we, we perhaps got quite carried away, um, but I think that's because England are creating this confidence in their supporters with their performances it's not they didn't just have a, a lucky win or or you know it wasn't just down to poor to poor performances I mean yeah France were were average Ireland weren't um you know and they, they just they've shown that they know what they're doing um and it's it's a great feeling for for as a supporter to watch it and, and I, I am full of confidence I genuinely believe that this team is capable of not just winning but winning well anywhere and against anyone, yeah. So, I, I, so that, I will, I will touch wood for I, you, I Tom. But I genuinely believe that, uh, that that what we said last week and what we will no doubt say uh, a little later on um, is how things are going to be. Anyway, he goes on to say, all of that aside, I'm very excited to see England take on Wales, as I'm pretty tired of reading about how good Wales are since they beat South Africa. Cough, which we did as well, by the way. Cough. Something I was uh, a little confused about, though. I could be wrong, but I've never really known George North to be particularly good under the high ball. Won't our kicking game work the same against Wales as it did against Ireland? Of the back three that Wales fielded in their opener against France, Liam Williams and Dan Bigger were the only two that really struck me as kick fielders, if that's the appropriate term. Finally, he says, the, um, the big area of the game that worries me now is the breakdown. In the opening match against Ireland, both Mako and Marrow were instrumental in slowing Conor Murray's ball down and preventing Ireland from getting uh, on the front foot. While we still have Tom Curry and Wilson to lean on in those regards, neither Ben Moon nor Courtney Laws strike me as much of a breakdown specialist, the former being more an offensive player and the latter being, as Dan described him last year, a boom man. Do you remember saying that? I don't, but I'll stick by it. I'm not even sure what that means. I don't know either, but it sounds good. Uh, What are your thoughts on this? Uh, Do we bring in Joe Launchbury for either of the other two, uh, awesome foursome, in order to up our presence in the breakdown, or will the ever-wily Eddie come up with some other way to slow down Wales ball? Uh, I'm much like uh, you both, where I'm by no means an expert, so I could be completely out of line, as you say, but this is just what I see from watching England. Cheers, fellas. Tom Vassell. P.S., the thought of Manu running at Gareth Anscombe and whichever pussy they put it inside centre <laughs> is the reason I'm going to pay the premium to watch the game live. <laughs> uh, I don't get why I also said that, but that was worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, that really tickled me. I don't know why. <laughs> I it's like good, it. It's good. Anyway, let's answer his questions. Um, 
Yes, the Welsh Rail will be a pussy. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I don't think that was even a question. It was a statement. <laughs> right, yeah. So um, the question is, is Eddie, is Eddie coming up with some other plan? Or, you know, in terms of the breakdown, let's go to that first. Um, you know, Courtney Laws and Ben Moon versus Mako and Marotoje and and the impact that's going to have on the breakdown. I think he's right. You know, they're, they are different, they're very different players. Um. Yeah, he is right. And and losing Mako and Maro Toja have a breakdown around the rucks of defensively is actually two of our biggest two of our biggest uh, players in that area. So, I mean, I guess the question uh, is when when you talk about um, effectiveness around the breakdown, are you talking about the guys that are going in and trying to steal the ball? Because if you are, I actually think that Tom Curry is probably one of our key people who do that. Um, but so 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 is Maro. But I, I see. Actually, I think Mako and Maro. I think what they did well was was slow the ball down. You know, they, they, it was almost like they were targeting different areas. They weren't going for the ball. They were actually targeting slowing uh, slowing Ireland down. And, and I think that's coachable. I think that's the sort of thing that Eddie's going to go right. You know, in that in that game, they were given that job. We just have to change tack slightly, and so now we're giving that job to two others. So I think I don't think Courtney Laws will will. Do that. Um, I think you know he's he's too useful as a as an offensive player, um, as a boom man. Um, <laughs> so I think I th- I suspect you know he talks about will Eddie come up with something wily. I think in terms of I think there there will be a couple of players who are almost given the responsibility, yeah, to to do those to, you know to, to do those roles, um, and they will be the the specialists on the field if you like. Um, where at every breakdown, their job is to target whatever it is they need to target to slow down Wales, um, and I don't think it will be a problem switching that that role. That's not to say I don't think either of those or both of those, in fact, are, are big losses. But but I think I think from that respect, I think we're okay. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, look, Mako Marrow, two genuine world class players, like to two of the best in the world at their position. Mako probably is the best in the world at his position and Marrow's probably in the top three. So it's they're two huge losses. But we have some really good strength and depth. And like like you say, I think maybe other players will be tasked with right, we haven't got Mako this week or Marrow this week to do that work. So actually I'm gonna put the responsibility on you and, and that's sort of more of a leadership perspective. Yes, you lose something in those two, but I don't think I don't think we need to change our game plan um, because yeah. of it. I mean, this is probably a good way, a good place to kind of slide into talking about the game because one of the questions he asks is, "Do you bring in Joe Launchbury um, for one of the other two? So either George Cruz or Courtney, um, I guess, as a starter, and have the other one come off the bench? And perhaps you do. I don't. I don't." Mm. So we spoke about this, didn't we? We spoke about this last time. And I think we both said we'd quite like to see Joe Launchbury come in. I don't think he will. I don't think he will start. I think he will start with Courtney and Cruz. But it, it's a good point. I wouldn't yeah. I would see Joe Launchbury start, but I don't think he will. On the one but, hand, on the one it, hand, it's yeah, it kind of the idea of Courtney Laws coming in and, and be you know just giving you adding adding that sort of extra aggression for the last twenty minutes, you know, real impact player. Uh, that sounds awesome. But equally, the way England have played in the first two games and the way we want them to keep playing with this kind of aggression right off the bat, I almost feel like I want to see that from from the off. And you know that in Launchbury you have a solid replacement to come on, at, you know, at, at whatever point it's needed. You know, whether that's because Courtney Laws has has you know, worked his ass off and, and he's and he's absolutely spent. You know, or whether it's because one of the two are perhaps not quite getting it right, or or you know, Wales are, are dealing with them too well. You want to change things up, but I almost feel now, just having seen two games from England, and I think you know, given how important I think a, a strong start's going to be again, I'm probably okay with with saying let's let's you know have Launchbury on the bench, stick with what's worked so far. There's no real need to change unless you're coming up with a totally different game plan, which I don't think they will. Um, 
So I think I'm okay. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because we're they're kind of so interchangeable. Um, I love that he's quoted the awesome force, and we obviously invented that. Um, and, and it's now the official terminology for those four players. Um, and you know, three. We only ever need three out of four of them, and right now we have three out of four of them. So we certainly do. They are, they're, they're totally interchangeable. I think it it doesn't matter at all which way round you do it. So I, I think there's probably an argument for bringing Joe Launchbury in that could be just as easily argued against. I don't think it matters. So we, we'll see what Eddie's got up his sleeve. Um, maybe Joe Launchbury is better at that job that Maro Toje was doing. And for that reason, he comes in because he's told, that, you know, you're particularly good at doing that. I want you to be my slow the ball down man. Um, but yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a difficult one for us to to predict by trying to sort of work out who would be better because I don't think it comes down to that. Uh, yeah, sorry, that's for that's Dog. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree. Okay, well, moving on. And this is something that I am looking forward just, to. So- sorry, just quickly before you move on, I just want to read out that last part of his email again. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, P.S., the thought of Manning running at Gareth Anscombe and whichever pussy they put at Inside Centre is the reason I'm going to pay the premium to watch the game live. Continue. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That makes me happy. Um, so, obviously, the news this week, but Chris Ashton's out. Yeah. Um, a shame, but it, uh, in some ways, not the end of the world because I am looking forward to seeing Joe Cox yeah. this I, I would. I would say he's the... Chris Ashton actually is the one guy who, unfortunately... I don't know if unfortunately is the right word. I think he's because it, because the whole England setup has looked so strong. Um, I feel like it's not a question of who's played the worst; it's a question of who's played the least best. Um, and I think he falls into that category. And I would like to see Joe Cock and Asiga, um, and I would have liked I would like have liked Cock and Asiga to replace Ashton anyway. So whilst obviously I hope it's nothing serious, um, I, I I'm kind of glad. Almost that it's. I'm almost glad that it's an injury. It's you know it's been done through because of an injury and therefore it's out of anyone's hands, because it stops it being about you know is he better than him, and we get to see. Do you know? What, does that make sense? Yeah, I, I would have liked it to have been a definite change rather than injury, but I know it. I know what you mean. Um, I so I don't think there's any doubt. Or maybe there is doubt. But I don't mean there's any doubt that Cockney Seagull will start on the bench, right? And we'll go back to May and Jack Knowles starting on the wing. 100%. Yeah. Well, 99.9%. Oh, yeah, I, I think so. Um, but Joe Cockney Seagull, come on. And what will be good is Joe Cockney Seagull will be able to show George North how good he used to be. <laughs> he will. When he runs <laughs> be- all over yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> so call those um, tree trunks. Yeah, yeah, what, what's these two trunks? And I'm pretty Look sure Joe Cockney Seeger. Well, yeah, it will be. Um, that'll be interesting. And Joe Cockney Seeger coming on will be. Um, that will give something way off to fear about because Joe Cockney Seeger is dangerous, as is Johnny May, as is Jack Noll. Well, I mentioned, so, I mentioned about listening to another podcast recently that was covering this game, but from a Welsh perspective. And um, the, two, two players that were mentioned by them, Welsh players, that apparently uh, England, the last thing England want to see coming onto the pitch is Corey Hill or what? What? <laughs> or, or Gareth Davis. Well, I, um, but I'm not sure England are that worried either way. Yeah, uh, I, I, Joe Cock and Seeger, I, I think on I'm the other hand, JPR Williams and and uh, I don't know Barry Barry John or whatever, but it's uh, Phil Bennett. But no, I'm yeah, I, I'm. I'm not sure I agree with that. I don't think England would be remotely worried in either of those examples. However, Joe Kokonasiga uh, coming on on the wing, potentially against a George North. Who, I mean, George North is very mixed at the moment, isn't he? Like he gets picked almost on reput- his past reputation, um, and he can be awesome, but he can also be quite average. Um, and, and these guys that I listened to, they talked about it as well. And they were saying, you know, he, he's one of those players where if he gets a good start and he gets a bit of confidence early, he can be destructive. But I, I disagree with that. But, but equally, if he gets a poor start, um, you know, when if Johnny May embarrasses him 
by by doing on doing him on, on the outside or something, um, he can find himself under a lot of pressure. And if he's struggling with the high ball as well, and given how accurate England's kicking's been, um, I think England could put him under a lot of pressure. So he could end up being uh, a weakness for Wales. Um. Yeah, he could. I I hadn't even looked at it as a threat or anything. I, I've just looked at it as, I don't think it matters who they play. Yeah, he can be a great player. He, he might have a great day. He might not. But I don't think that changes the way we play. I don't think it changes that much of a difference with regards to the result. I, he's not somebody who, to me, if he has a brilliant day, it's going to be the difference between a win and a loss. If he has a brilliant you, day, yeah, for him. But... You know, it's not going to matter. I think the whole world team would need a brilliant day for them to get within ten points. Nice, it's true. It's a true story. Um, another another thing that, picked, that I picked up from that podcast. You know, there, there was a lot of talk about you know if Wales could have the game of their lives, <laughs> um, if all the players have the games of their lives, then Wales can win. Well, I don't disagree. I think that if any team in the top flight of Eng- of, of international rugby has the game of their lives you would like to think that that game would result in a win. I think if it doesn't and you've had the game of your life, then it's a, it's, you're in a fairly dark place. Um, however, uh, the big question, I guess, um, ah, big, big question. the big question that's been in the media uh, from a Wales perspective is who they're going to play at fly half. Do you feel like England have a preference about who Wales plays at fly half? So we're assuming either Dan Bigger or Gareth Anscombe. Yeah. Um, do I think England have a preference? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, from the team... I mean, Dan I... Bigger plays in England now. So does that give them any kind of an advantage of having played I... with a lot of these guys on a regular basis? I think I think the difference is, is it shows her approach. I would be more personally, and I'm using the word worried very loosely here, I would be more worried to see Anscombe start at 10 than I would Dan Bigger. Okay. If Dan Bigger starts at 10, I think it's more of a conservative game plan. If it's Anscombe, I think they're saying, let's have a go at them. Um, but then when Bigger comes on, Bigger can really come on and stabilise the ship. But I don't think it matters a huge amount. Um, who, who would you rather see? I, I'd I- rather... I don't care, but I think that Anscombe is the better player at the moment, uh, and it does Oshard want him to play. I think I'd like to see uh, bigger, just so Laws can smash him. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nothing permanent, no, no permanent damage, but but smash him time and time again, um, to the point where yeah, he he wants to leave the field and and cry. <laughs> a couple of a couple of Welsh tears are not gonna. It's not going to ruin my Saturday dinner, let's put it that way. <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's going to make the beer taste sweeter. <laughs> well, 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 it depends, or saltier, depending on the tears. <laughs> well, and depending on whether you put them in the beer, which uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, isn't, true. isn't necessary uh, either. Okay, well, look, let's turn to the England team then. Uh, well, not turn to that. We've, we've talked about, the. I guess, the one, probably Chris Ashton is the only change we're going to see. Yep, yep. Well, of course, other than obviously up front with Mac. Oh, Mac, of course, yeah. Um, yeah. So Ben Moon you starting. Start Moon, you start Moon ahead of Genge. I think so. I, I feel like it, the order is Mako, Moon, Genge. I start Genge. Do you? I do, yeah. I mean, Moon had a great autumn. Moon's a great player, um, yeah. I feel like Genge hasn't had the game time, and I feel like this is with two for want of a better word, lesser games coming up. I feel like his opportunity to start um, and, and and prove himself as a potential starter or finisher, Mako's fit, uh, is in those two games. I feel like this one's so important. You know, you take the guy who's who's done it before in an England shirt. Yeah. Um, um, because I think there's, I, there's so little between them. I think there's so little between them. I thought games just because I like, I think Genge will go out there like baby rhino, as they call him. I think he'll go out, out there. I think he'll upset the world. I mean, do, do we, okay, so so look at it from, it's like, obviously, you know, he's another one of these players, a bit like Kyle Sinclair, isn't he? Um, yeah. is, is Sinclair and Genge in the same front row a, a potential recipe for disaster in terms of 
getting overly frustrated. You need someone with a slightly cooler head to to be in there with with sync. Quite possibly, but could that be another reason? It, it could be, but I I don't think it's too. I, I it could be a disaster. I don't mean I don't mean it's a potential disaster. Uh, Moon's probably the sensible option. I'd like I'd like to see Genj. Um, I'd like to see Genj start just because I think we'll piss off the Welsh, and I think that will actually help us. <laughs> because Marla's not available. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, uh, what else do we need to talk about? Well, I, I don't I don't think there is much else because I think that obviously we're gonna when we know the team. Actually, this evening the squad's cut down to the twenty five. Yeah, I'm not so, really sure what the value is of doing that. <laughs> I mean, you, en- yeah. you end up basically going, okay, well, we, we knew what the team was going to be before because they've been so good, it's obvious. And now all you've done is you've taken a few of the people that we knew were going to be taken out. You've taken them out officially, but your whole, <laughs> like, you're keeping people guessing. I don't, I, I, yeah, I don't know what the value is of doing it. I, I think that's more about who's going back to their clubs to play and perhaps in other teams, that 25 isn't quite so obvious. Um, but either way, by the time we record on uh, Saturday, by the time we're recording... Yeah, we'll know. Uh, exactly. Pretty much we'll, we'll know what the team is. Uh, we'll be able to go for it all there and then. I think we'll do predictions then as well. Yes. Although I think people have probably got a fairly good idea of what sort of direction we'll be going in with those. Uh, I, I think people, I think we've hinted towards where, we're, where our head's at. Um, okay, brilliant. Well, let, let's let's leave it there. Uh, guys, thanks obviously for joining us once again. Um, I hope we've covered. I hope we've covered everything that you would like us to have covered. If not, I, I can only blame you, you guys, for not having told us what you wanted to hear about. Um, so take take the opportunity to get in touch with us. Let us know what sort of stuff you want us to cover. Um, we will do our best then to yeah to, to make sure we're always on point. Um, and obviously, we love hearing from you guys, and we'll we'll you know if you've got questions, things we'll read them out and do our best to answer them. Um, with our immense knowledge of uh, international rugby. Um, but yeah, until next time, keep listening. Share, share us with all your friends and family, of course. Um, as we've said before, that's how we get noticed. And the, the reviews are key. So if you've got five minutes, we'd really appreciate you to pop over to uh, iTunes, drop us a rating, drop us a review, and let us know what you think. Um, and we will catch you on Saturday morning for the biggest game since Dublin. (laughs) We will. See you soon, guys.